This is Hoops Forum, a production of Radius Athletics and a Quick Timeout podcast. I'm Tony Miller, and I'm joined once again by my co-host, Randy Sherman. Before we get into today's episode, a big thanks to our sponsors over at 323 Sports. We're in the middle of winter right now. Temperatures are cold for a lot of us. 323 Sports has some great options on outerwear for your teams and for those on your staff. To find out more about what they can do for your program, visit 323sports.com, or you can contact a sales rep at sales at 323sports.com. They'll be sure to do it right for your sports program. Today, Randy, we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to do okay. a little bit of Would You Rather. Some people have called it this or that. All we're right. Through about four topics here of Would You Rathers. The rules, as discussed previously by the two of us, are you can't flip-flop between the two and say, well, maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do that. You have to pick one and stick with it and then give the reasoning behind it. Oh, man. You're going to pin me down. And we're going to pin each other down, I guess. Like you're going, you got to answer these two, right? It's not yes. just me on the hot seat, is it? We will both do it, and we will both be held accountable for all our actions, and they will be brought up again on social media. No doubt, I'm sure. Haunt us I'm sure. from now. I thought you said, yeah, okay. That's exactly right. So all right, let's... the rules are are got it, got to can't ride the fence, right? No fence riding. You must Excellent. pick a side and stand on your side. Excellent. Okay. All right. First up, we'll start with the defensive side here. Would you rather build your defensive system on forcing the ball baseline or influencing to the middle? I'm I go first. Yeah, you go first. Uh, give me force baseline. And reasoning for that would be um, just kind of tougher scoring angles. Uh, you you uh, I think um, you know, you're still you can still give up threes and things like that. I mean, if you, if if uh, if, a, if a guy you know really attacks a baseline hard and you help over, but I think the pass that driving player has to make to find an available three is a little bit tougher. The 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 uh, penetration reactions of the opponent have to be pretty sharp for you to really give up. You know, a good three. Um, I think you're kind of like forcing a player down, like where they're kind of behind the backboard. There's a big, you know, serving as rim protection. Whereas if we force middle, sometimes we can, we, you know, we can effectively seal that off, but we're, we're kind of put back into a rotation, but I think, Oh, we're not allowed to do that. So anyway, uh, I was about to say, well, I think either could be, you know, whatever, but like, Nope, give me force baseline. Um, give me force baseline. I'll go with influence middle, maybe just to be the opposite of it, but influence middle with the right personnel. We have been really effective in shrinking the floor. If you do it the right mm -hmm. way, especially the way most pack line teams teach it, you're simply eliminating the corners. And so you have mm -hmm. little less, less real estate to guard if it's done correctly. Um, if you're good at closeouts, if you have a longer team, then they're, they're constantly shooting against, closely contested three-point shots and we've talked extensively about how being zero to two feet away is a whole lot different from being three to four or four or more feet away mm -hmm. and this prevents some of those longer closeouts because you're again shrinking the floor uh, the negative side of it is i'm not super crazy about the kind of ball screen defense that a lot of pack line teams use with the hard hedging but again with the right personnel it could be something that you could you could do effectively and you don't have to hard hedge within yeah, pack could. line so um, we've had a lot of success with, with dropping. And again, it's basically shoot over the top of us and, and beat us, which can come to bite, bite you against certain teams or against the hot shooting team. Yeah. But there are definitely pros to it. I, uh, 
I want to add one thing to my answer if I can. I, I would challenge um, you to watch your team, just watch basketball, like maybe when the conference tournaments and there's so much basketball on, just, you know, we, we maybe you're on spring break or something and you're just watching basketball all day, right? Um, just make a mental note every time a player drives a baseline and there's a turnover. It just, I know with my teams, it was like, ah, dang, baseline drive, turnover, baseline drive, you know. So that, that I, I'd like to add that to my answer too for another rationale. Yeah, I would say, step, you know, in addition to that, but we always seem to turn the ball over trying to get the ball to the baseline. So if you have a guy that's like cutting baseline, mm-hmm. it always looks open for the offense, but it usually doesn't lead to things that are good. I mean, once every now and then you'll get something like that, but yeah. Again, they they think that they're open, but it usually results in a turnover. So yeah, it's I, a it's a it's a high risk, high reward thing. That like, okay, yeah, if we hit this pass perfect and this cut timed right, and and yeah, it's going to look great. But there's a lot of variables that have to have to line up. Yeah. So let's go ahead and go offshoot of that one and go okay. with another. Would you rather? And it may be tied to this last question here, but would you rather your post defenders play from behind? Or would you rather that they front in the post? I got to pick, right? Give me front. Um, just I just like more of a pressure style, like where there's more denial. There's there's you know if the if, you know just imagine like maybe a four out alignment with the with the ball in the right slot and the post on the ball side. So there's those three players. I'd call that the ball side. The two players on the left slot and the left wing or corner would be the the help side. So on the ball side, I just like all the players denied. So front to post. And uh, line with not being hypocritical, I'll say from behind. And reason being, a lot of teams with pack line or they're influencing towards the middle, also immediately mm-hmm. going double team with their four. And yeah. so it kind of fits within that system. I wonder too, I would challenge coaches to study their league and study the teams they regularly play against. Yeah. How many of the post players that are playing down there are good enough to beat you scoring wise, which may not require you to send a double, but I'll say too, it looks open. And if the player, if the teammate throws it into that guy and you go and double him, how many of those post players are skilled enough to post out of that without turning the ball over? So it may be a way for you to create turnovers in a system that Mm-hmm. historically doesn't necessarily create a lot of turnovers on its own. Yeah. Those are kind of aggressive doubles and things like that. Um, I've definitely seen, seen that be disruptive. Um, I would say though, man, like fronting the post, like, like, like you made me pick, I picked fronting, but like, man, the trade-offs of like, you kind of, you can get, uh, you can get your help side manipulated to where you get cleared out and get lobbed over. You, you sometimes surrender some rebounding positioning because you're can't block out the big. If a shot went up on the ball side and you're, you're in front of them, it's really hard to get, get that blocked out. You can cross block it out, but that that's, that's hard to execute. I would say running the post is something that I taught and wanted players to do. But like, if you really, Asked me how great we were at it and how consistently we did it. I would say, nah, not great. And I would say that our teams, our post defenders, oftentimes did just get caught behind or, you know, just wouldn't work around front or were trying and get sealed. 
Um, when we did get caught behind, and even if it's not what we're teaching, we you know make mistakes, and that's that's part of the game. So we get caught behind. You know, we want to stay behind and and just wall up and and try to make it tough for the the that that post to score over us, turn that into a contested two, and and try not to dig or overhelp and let the ball come back out for a good three or a closeout situation. Now, did you completely in front, as in your defender's back was? to their offensive player or was it like three quarters high side or what we call it ear on chest so kind of like three quarters high side if the ball was sort of up toward the free throw line if it went down toward the corner we we would x step over in front on the low side but like the positioning and if i'm guarding a the post player is my ear on their chest with kind of an arm bar like we're flesh to flesh ear on chest i found that that a lot of times just discouraged the pass from even being made in there yeah, I mean, that's what we want with pressure man is any no available option ball side and we're denying any reversal. So we just we just isolate the player with the ball. He or she doesn't see the wing open, the post open, the reversal pass open, and they just kind of freelance and take off and, you know, that mission accomplished for, for that particular style of, of defense. But, man, it, it really just sort of depends on, you know, the overall scheme of your offense or, I'm sorry, your defense and, and, um, you know, with that said, and I'm repeating myself, but like when I mean, we got caught behind all the time. So, <laughs> you know, yeah. Were there anything like that defending the post, talking about the defensive system? Was there anything like that where you felt like within the defensive system you had to do defending the post or whatever it was, you had to do it a certain way in order for your whole system to be effective? Like, did anything like go against like we did this this way, but we did this way, this way. And that's non-traditional or this typically goes with this. For instance, the hedging with the pack line yeah. defense type. of Yeah, thing. I tried to keep it all consistent where we, you know, we were we were you know, we had our the, the overriding principle of the defense is to isolate any available players ball side, including, you know, it, it, in, or I'm sorry, take away any passes on the ball side so the player with the ball feels or is isolated. They can't pass it. Um, so that included fronting the post. And even if we were outsized or sometimes, uh, you know, uh, paid pay the penalty with some lobs or some things like that, uh, you know, you you kind of can't expect a shutout. So, like, you know, it, it's – it's um, I found that sometimes like, you know, a coach would look at a team that really fronts or even gets ear on chest and, and they look at that and go, okay, well, that's a lob opportunity. And well, lobs aren't hard, aren't easy to deliver. You got to throw them right. We're, if you don't, if you don't do something to manipulate the deep, the, the help side defender, the player, we call the player in the hole, the player, the player kind of behind that, that fronted post, you know, you're, you could, you could be, throwing them, you could be throwing yourself into turnovers or charges or things like that. And I found that sometimes, you know, a, an offense would see this drastic tactic, like fronting the post and their coaching staff or whatever would be like, okay, we're going to lob, we're going to lob. And they were trying to do it five times and like actually like pulled it off four times, one time and the other four times threw it out of bounds or so like, you know, it, Every, you know, that, that's pretty good batting average defensively. You know, if mm-hmm. if you're trying to exploit this, what you think is a tactical advantage, but you can't execute, you can't throw the lob, you can't catch the lob or the accuracy of the lob, 
isn't there, then, you know, what, what is it, is it actually a good idea? You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. All right. Let's switch over to the offensive side. Okay. The next one here probably could be something. It could be like its own show, but we'll try to keep it here to just a few minutes. Would you rather right. play four out one in, or would you rather play five out? Hmm. Give me five out by the narrowest of margins, but I'll take it. (laughs) I'll take five out. Um, But yeah, I mean, uh, you know, let me ask you this. When we got, we're we're five out and we set up, we we use maybe like a drag ball screen. So we've got no post. We got a double side, a single side. And that, that player that sits the ball screen rolls. Well, what are we now? <laughs> right. So I don't know that I know I'm not supposed to be like either riding the fence today. This is not the day for that. But like, is there kind of like an off like an offense that is five out stays five out? I mean, right. I guess I've seen some like just cut and fill and things like that. And uh, but like even like, OK, five out, a guy rips through and drives it and he drives it. And the other four players stay spaced around the perimeter. What are we now? screenshot that you know so like um but i get the i get the uh motive of the question like from from the beginning alignment from from that um yeah man i would say uh aware that that sometimes with a five player spaced around the perimeter that reduces the perimeter gap sizes so um but if we can bust through the lanes open, the rims open, the, the, the area around the paint is free of, of clutter. I, I don't want to take your thunder if you're going to uh, answer, <laughs> you're start, but you're, you're getting close. You're starting. Okay, to so over. I'll shut up and say five out. <laughs> I'll go with four out one in. Uh, I like it from the standpoint of you get the rim run, which is we've talked a lot about how important the alignment yep. is from the start of the possession. Yep. Um, so I, I like that. I also would rather have, to your point about the five out and the narrowing of the gaps on the perimeter, I personally would rather have more space on the perimeter and end up finding somebody maybe down there helping once I get to the rim. Mm -hmm. I would rather have that than narrow it. I tried to run a little bit of five out, and I just found that the guys ended up, you have to be so good at staying space with the guy next to you. And I'm sure a lot of coaches can teach that and can get their teams to that. But I found it was hard to get to that. And maybe it's because we dabbled a little bit in four out, one in, and five out, depending on our personnel. Mm-hmm. So it probably was my fault. But I, I still feel just on the perimeter, it, it got a little bit too jumbled, and we weren't able to do exactly. But to your point, I mean, even five out teams, what do they do a lot of times? I'm defending one tonight that if the guy at the top catches it and starts to dribble at the wing and is being overplayed, what does he do? He burn cuts. And if he doesn't get it, he turns around and posts up. And now what are they in? They're in four out one in. So I I get it. They, they, they each use, I mean, even four out one in, what do you do a lot of times? Well, they'll bring their post guy up and ball screen the ball. Well, what is that? You're playing, you're playing five out briefly. So I I understand it. I think it's more of like, what do you want to get to at the start of your possession? And then what can you live with or what can your players do to create advantages within the half court and the space that they have? Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong with this, but I feel like maybe a little bit no. better players can be better with five out, like it at understanding and creating the gaps and the separations. But for our players at the time, it just, like I said, it was a little bit too congested 
and we had a harder time scoring the ball. Makes sense. Um, you brought up a great point that I always try to make when having similar conversation with with the coaches I work with. It's like, you know, I've, I've talked to, to some recently who was like, you know, I, we, I just don't know what I'm more, you know, in love with is four out, five out. And I was like, well, I don't think that's something you necessarily have to to um, decide um, in terms of like, we're going to be this way and stay this way because um, offenses shape shift. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's, that's a very observant on your part, you know, to, to point out that like, okay, what are we in now when, when the sky burn cuts and leg whips and posts up, well, they're, they're shape shifting. Right. Uh, another good, great point I thought you made was, was, was um, your transition. You, you mentioned you like to use a rim runner. So you've got, a natural three to the baseline, two to the top. That's five or four out, one in. So there's my answer. What's next, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know. So that 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 I like to kind of like talk about. Like, okay, maybe I can help you decide between four out and five in by like, you know, what, let's 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 start from your half court offense. What is that? You know, what? Let's start with that and work backwards and 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 just sort of like try to get consistent there. Yeah. I think prioritizing to your point, like what, what matters for us that we want to score early in transition if possible. So that kind of determined what we mm -hmm. did and then what do you want the possession to look like? And then reverse engineering that I think is important for coaches to think through when they're trying to decide or design uh, even stuff within the half court, what they want to do. Right. In that vein of designing within the half court, we're approaching the uh, most famous most popular time of year for college basketball Absolutely. and for basketball coaches we've got the conference tournaments coming up and then march madness and with that comes a slew of fast draw diagrams and mm -hmm. new plays and things for people to look at one of the most popular alignments that you'll see are the horn sets and so my question to you randy is would you rather have a horn alignment when it comes to doing either a quick hitter or an ato or something like that or do you like some other alignment or do alignments not matter to you and you just want certain actions? No, I like, I like the, um, al uh, alignments do matter. Um, I guess I sort of, I'm, I'll give you an answer. Give me, give me other. Um, I like, I like horns stuff and there's a lot of some of the things I like to do that can be done from horns. Uh, and, um, uh, often find my time find myself like you know seeing a team nba college euroleague or something running something from horns and thinking like okay i like that but how could i do it um for for this set play packages i tended to arrange for my teams we we still sort of did them from our base alignment so um they weren't tipped off um, you know, as soon as we, you know, if we're all the time four out, one in, all of a sudden we are in horns, the whole staff on the other team is going to be like, okay, watch for horns, horns flare or something, you know, you know, as soon as we show that different alignment, we've tipped, tipped them off if they've done their homework. So I tried to use, um, sets that sort of began how we typically began. So it's sort of like had that little bit of, 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 uh, I don't know. We're, we're, we're hiding it behind operating out of the same alignment rather than, you know, I, you hear, I hear football coaches all the time talking about like, well, you know, 
their formations sort of tip help you reduce what they might be running and then you add to that down and distance plus formation then we said okay the likelihood of it being these three or four plays is pretty high and the defense starts to that's that's how they study film so I kind of borrowed that from football of like, hey, you see them getting something different. We can kind of say it's going to be one of their three horns plays, right? Like, mm-hmm. um, we. So that's my reasoning. I don't know how great it is, but so I'll take other because you you gave me the ability to kind of stay with four out, five out, or whatever. Yeah, for those same reasons, I I have picked horns this year. I've gone a little bit different. I do have horns. And to your point, things that flow naturally from our four out one in. So there's still sets. I think we a lot of mm-hmm. times think of like sets like ATO players go and get set up in a spot and then we run something rather than something that naturally flows out of our mm-hmm. offense. So if, if we're defining yeah. it that way, then yes, I, I like horns plays. Yeah. And for your same reasoning, I run a bunch of different things out of them. Something yeah. I would suggest to coaches that I have found uh, helpful for my team and understanding and they can pick up the concepts better and you can almost like double the size of your playbook is to run the same kind of actions and focus more on the actions than on like running this particular horns play. So, for instance, mm-hmm. we will have a play that flows straight from our offense that involves a stagger and the same kind of thing flows out of a horns play or if yeah. your thing's a pistol, we do that within our four out one in but Mm -hmm. and a transition action but we also do that out of a horns play so when i introduce a horns play to them it already involves actions that we have done other places and they pick on up pick it up a whole lot faster and like i said it just gives you a different look to your point um, makes it harder for the other team to have to scout while keeping us from having to put in a whole lot of work or confusing them on what we're trying to accomplish. It's, it's just there's that consistency there that no matter what alignment we're in, we're always getting to these actions, mm-hmm. and it allows us to be able to basically, like I said, almost double our playbook. Yeah, and you get carryover in the execution because we already know how to run, you know, our stagger, mm-hmm. you know, stagger action from our, you know, ball reversal and four out. We stagger away. We can do that in horns. We hit one of the elbow pieces and the passer and the other elbow piece stagger down or something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So you, you kind of know how to execute it, but you're just doing it from a different alignment. I would say, too, like I kind of divided the game in my head to sort of outline the game. It was like, when did I call something? When when we the possession started with a dead ball. So that might be when we would call a set or a special. I tended to do that still from our base alignment, but you're saying you you do that. You might depart from you know our four out, five out, get in horns. I would say that 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 spawned an idea in my head while you were talking of like, okay, let's say I wanted to do that and have sort of this departure. You could say, Okay, all of our sets are going to start from horns because, okay, even if the other staff sees us getting horns, they don't know which action. It's still, okay, they're about to run one of their sets, but all of their sets are horns. So they're sort of like, they don't get a leg up on you by you tipping them by formation. So that's, that's, a, that's another idea. Um, yeah, again, I'm, I'm making a lot of football analogies, maybe because the Super Bowl comes up, but you see this all the time of like the same play from a different, formation you know um maybe they use 
motion to get to it. And then one, one play, one, another time they ran the same play, they didn't, they just started in it. And then they, another time they motioned to it. So it's sort of like the same concept, um, but from slightly different alignments. So that's good. I also like horns because I feel like it naturally puts you in good spacing. I mean, you immediately have double mm -hmm. gaps on both sides of the floor and you lift everybody up from the paint. So there's opportunities for people to score down there. Yeah. So. And I like the idea that you can begin it with an entry, a ball screen uh, uh, or an off ball, you know, depending uh, an entry. I see people to one go and dribble handoff down to the yep. corner guy and you get like that pistol or zoom type stuff that you can. You can yeah. Play. can get into different versatility, entries. a lot of versatility yep. that you can absolutely do with it. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And you lift you lift the bigs up away from the rim. Right. If right. you have it in your your typical where your fours and fives maybe are the 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 pieces of the horn at the elbow-ish area. Right. So on that note, be on the lookout. Randy and I will be producing, no doubt, quite a few X's and O's fast draw diagrams that we'll be putting on Twitter here over the next two months. Uh, in response to the NCAA tournament and the conference tournaments that are coming. Yeah. Randy, this week at the beginning of the week, you sent out your weekly beyond the scoreboard email. You want to summarize that and tell people where they can find out about that? Yeah, kind of a, a little pattern I've fallen into is asking a question on Twitter, getting, getting you know, uh, multiple responses from the coaching community in, in, uh, in Twitter and then turning that into a beyond the scoreboard piece where – I kind of use some of the answers that coaches give inside the body of the blog to sort of like overview, like coaching community's thoughts, my thoughts. And, and this last one that I just sent out was called one word an exercise. Um, and many of you read, have read some books by the author, John Gordon. And one of his books is sort of talks about this one word philosophy. And I was like, okay, I asked the Twitter community, coaching community, one word descriptor that you would love for others to use about your team. I got things like relentless, uh, you know, disciplined, you know, all, all, all things that sort of coaches. And I just sort of just organize that into a blog post and, and get coaches thinking about really how to bring that one word to life. So that's, that's beyond the scoreboard um, brought to you by sideline interactive for this week. Yeah, leading manufacturers and scoreboards and scoring tables for co colleges and high schools around the country. You can find out more about Sideline Interactive at sidelineinteractive.com. Appreciate all of you who joined us this week. If you missed any part of the live show, you can go back and watch the full show on Radius Athletics' YouTube page. Just search Hoops Forum or Radius Athletics, or you can listen to the audio version of the show by searching on podcast platforms, a quick timeout. There you'll find the audio version of the show. Appreciate Randy and his contribution each week. As we enter into February and March, we'll be having a lot more content on our Twitter accounts here on Hoops Forum, so be sure to keep following us for all of that. Again, appreciate all of you who watched the show today. We'll talk to you again next week on Hoops Forum.